Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to the Business Builders Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about what am I going to do when I grow up? And we'll do that with Paul Barron. Now, Paul is the founder and chief executive officer of the Wall Printer USA. Paul's responsible for all executive functions, assuring the growth of the corporation and of the businesses that purchase a wall printer. His decades of business experience span B2B, B2C, retail, manufacturing, distribution, international business, and franchising. He's personally developed and launched business concepts and supported successful revenue growth, which leads to exits for several startups and established businesses. Paul thrives in rapid growth, high energy environments, and values a diverse culture with good people who like to dream big, work hard, and have fun. He leads with a positive attitude, humor, and humility. He's an articulate communicator, and he's got outstanding public speaking and presentation skills. He's asked frequently to be a guest lecturer at industry events. He is a mentor to business owners and student interns at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, also known as UNCW, and at their Center of Innovation and Entrepreneurship. He serves on advisory boards at UNCW Business School's Entrepreneurship Track and at nonprofit organizations and privately held businesses in Wilmington, Atlanta, and New York. Paul, it's great to have you here, sir. Bill, thank you so much for inviting me to talk with you and your audience. Uh, I appreciate that. And we're all going to enjoy hearing who do you serve? I serve the greater good. No, <laughs> actually, what, what we like to do is, and what I get the most pleasure in, is helping people find their dreams, be able to realize their potential in terms of owning a business that they can grow and thrive for the benefit of their employees, stakeholders, partners, employees, vendors, whatever. I've done this for several decades, introducing foreign products, innovative products into the United States, North America. Retired a couple of times. Most of the time I worked as a hired gun for people. Now I own the product, I own the company, and I'm introducing it to as a business opportunity to help people deliver beautiful wall art through use of our wall printers in areas throughout Canada, the US, Mexico, South America, the Caribbean. These are all the territories that I own um, that we help people start businesses using our machines, which are both floor printers and wall printers. Okay, great, fantastic. So these people you just described, there's, broad, there's a broad list, but what problems do they have which your, you and your company can help solve for them? Well, the idea of having a machine, that's a great question, Bill, because nobody should really be in business or create an app or provide a service or deliver a product if it doesn't solve a problem for somebody. And you have to be a, a solution to something. You, you can't go chasing a problem and with some kind of product or service. What I found in this product when I first learned about it, and we can talk more about the discovery and the journey during this conversation, um, but suffice to say that, again, with, with my history, what I've done is I've identified innovative products where there was a market gap that the, either the company wanted to find its audience here in the United States because it was originating in a 
country outside of the United States, and they wanted to understand their audience and how the product or service might meet the needs of that audience. In this particular case, I was just totally blown away by the innovation uh, of a vertical printing machine that could deliver digital art onto wall surfaces. Hadn't seen anything like it before. Traditionally, the only way to put wall art is, you know, you buy a picture, such as the pictures in your office and on the shelves in, in your room there. You can put wallpaper on a wall. You can get a vinyl sticker and with adhesive and stick that to a wall, or you can get an artist to paint a wall. This was something else. Again, not um, not a designed to be necessarily a replacement, but rather a complement. But most important, what it showed me was a machine that could really enhance the artist, the photographer, the graphic designer on one end, on the artistic end of things, and also the general contractor, the person looking for a startup business, the person looking to, to grow equity in a territory that they own exclusively to build a business, introducing a service that would provide beautiful wall art into restaurants, homes, schools, hospitals. And it was a, a way for people to, who didn't have the artistic skills, or in fact, didn't have the construction or photographic experiences to deliver those types of artistic solutions. But instead, they were able to go ahead and have a product and a company that they could build and deliver these types of services with high margins and, and build, build an equity value for their family, for themselves, for their estates. Beautiful. And that's, that's what drove this. So, Paul, maybe you could tell us a case study. I'm sure you've got lots. But what I'd like to have you explain to us is maybe, you know, both the business opportunity in this case study story of yours, the business opportunity, and also the, the, the customers of the business opportunity in that whole kind of sequence. So if you can think of somebody that came to you, how'd they find you? What were their issues? How'd you walk them through delivering this solution? How did they get their customers? Just tell us a story, Paul. Sure. So, so our customers have come to us out of several buckets, if you will. One is, and, and again, I'll, I'll answer your question directly in a moment, but let me frame that with, with okay. who our customers are. We've COVID while devastating in the pandemic and the million lives lost, you know, there's, there's nothing I, I could say that would minimize that at all. But from a business perspective, the, the experience of COVID was very positive for my company. Here I was introducing a product that nobody's ever seen, nobody's ever heard of. I wasn't the smartest kid on the block, you might think, because I started this company in December of 2019 when I got my first shipment of machines out of China, which is where they're manufactured, although we do manufacture our own inks and some components right here in the United States. But nevertheless, I received a product that nobody's ever seen or heard about. And now in January of 2020, one month later, the world stopped as we all know what happened in 2020. And so here I was with a product that people couldn't see. It wasn't like somebody who wanted to get into the business of um, plumbing or pest control or, or uh, a pizza place or a hamburger joint. This wasn't anything anybody knew about. Vertical printing, while it wasn't a new technology, it was around for about 10 years as of today, but confined mostly in Southeast Asia where the technology originated. And so no company, and there's only a handful, five companies, um, that manufacture this type of machine, but only, and, and all of them are in Europe, Southeast Asia, the Middle East. None of them have ventured across the pond, so to speak, to introduce the technology to North and South America until I did and brought it here to the U.S. And so 
what happened with COVID is I said, okay, let's find out who our customers are. Kind of a, an interim way of answering your question here. We spent literally eight, nine months when nobody could travel, nobody can get these machines, and I couldn't buy any more machines because the supply chain basically froze up out of Southeast Asia. And so what I did, I was all in financially with this. I was committed to it. I was hopeful that the end would come soon to, the, to this experience and, and what, what happened, how it affected people's lives. So I invested in the team um, while people were laying off workers, I was adding them and building up my support team, building up my sales team, building up my social media marketing team, which is what I was going to use to find out who are our customers, who wants this and identify those people who found this interesting and as, as a business opportunity, as a technology, as a solution to something that, that might complement an existing business. And so we spent literally eight, nine months without selling anything, just doing that due diligence, that exploration. And so we found that customers were falling into several buckets. You had, this, you had these people who were being laid off from jobs because of COVID. They were working virtually at home, even if they weren't laid off for the most part, everybody was working remotely. And they were spending a lot of time as people who work at home do, searching things or finding things on the internet. And so that worked to our benefit because now here were people thinking, do I wanna go back to the office? Do I wanna work for somebody? Maybe this is time I should think about a business for myself. So we fell into that sweet spot for people who were looking for something new, a change of their lives, something that can offer them a different level of security than they might've had otherwise at the time. And so these buckets that I described were either people who had an existing business, which may or may not have had anything at all to do with the printing arts, with photography, with graphics design, anything that is related or tangential to wall printing or printing digital art. And then you had people who are strictly startup business seekers, people who were looking to start up a business. And then there was the bucket of the people who had a very good job, happy with their job, but were looking ahead to maybe wanting a side hustle, something else that they could do. And so looking at all of these buckets, we started of them would be the best ones, the most successful ones, the kind of who had the right stuff to be a successful wall printer. And so my long-winded way, Bill, of answering your question now is we found out that people, and here's an example, a woman in Naples, Florida, her and her husband, he was a mechanical engineer, really into machinery. She was managing a, a nursing home facility, a senior facility, but knew that she was uh, at the end of her career doing this and she was looking for something else. And this was something they both can kind of, and she had an artistic and marketing background. That was her end. And she thought that this was something she felt comfortable introducing to people. And so as a, as a side business, they, they purchased and they brought on and they're one of our most successful wall printers now, two years into it. They've done some innovative things that we didn't even think about. We learn a lot more from our customers, I think, than they learn from us because their customers, the end users, the residences, the schools, the hospitals, the restaurants, commercial offices, these are the customers who will use a wall printing. And so, or buy a wall printing. And so we're learning about all these opportunities from our customers. And so here she was, and little by little, they started doing more and more printing, less and less of their daytime jobs, so to speak. And they moved into that area. They're still not at it full time, but they're getting there. And then the other part, I'll use one more example to answer your question or to address your, your, your question, which is a really good one. Then there are the people who are in the business who are doing art, printing maybe, signage, muralists, but they, they want to deal more with the creativity or have something else to, to their existing customers. Mine, their existing customers who are buying maybe traditional signage from them, 
or photography or murals, but for the muralist, a way to take that art and create it digitally, but not have to actually spend days or weeks doing a hand painting on a wall. Our machine will do it quickly, efficiently, faithfully, but allow them to really create the art, which actually disproves the, um, the notion that many people's knee-jerk reaction who are in the arts say, I'm taking food off the table of artists or muralists. Nothing could be further from the truth. We actually enhance their ability to be creative and create their arts, but then faithfully reproduce it while they're doing their creative aspects. And very often, there are walls that our wall printers are limited. We are not wallpaper. We don't go edge to edge, floor to ceiling. We create an image on art because it's a machine that can't go all the way to the ceiling, all the way to the floor, all the way to the edge. It's a printing machine that moves horizontally and vertically. And so there are some limitations indoors, not too many outdoors, but indoors. And so sometimes an artist is brought in to embellish that artwork with their skills when we have to fill in the gaps. So there's a, there's a synergy, there's a marriage between the two. And then you do have the companies like a painter, painting business, they've been very successful. They go into a residence or a home or an apartment or an office and they paint the walls eggshell white or whatever, green. And, and, but they learn who those customers are that they've just serviced by painting the walls in their home. And they learn they've got a kid who's into Disney and, and Marvel comics. They, they have a son who's into hockey. Um, again, not to stereotype, you know, male, female here uh, to be to maintain political correctness, but they could, they have their own interests. One might be sports, one might be the arts, one might be dance. The, the mother or father might really be into the local sports team and want a logo in the garage or on, a, on an office. Uh, they might want a portrait of their, their family on the room in their den. And so they learn who these customers are. It's a restaurant, it's a, an Italian restaurant. They want a nice image of a, of a chef putting a pizza in the oven or a nice picture of Italy on the wall. They learn who their customers are. And now they have something else to sell those customers. They get to, they get to add revenue that they otherwise would not have or would have to outsource or refer to somebody else. Now they can do it themselves. So give me a, an illustration of kind of the, the setup, the, the time to produce, the time to cure, if you will. And so can you walk us through a, a typical, if you will, job? Sure. So first off, I'll preface that by saying ink is cheap. So okay. for instance, a, a full supply of ink from us is six liters worth of ink, two liters of white because you use more white than the other colors as kind of a primer backdrop to surfaces that aren't white already. If I was going to do a wall printing on the wall behind you, Bill, in your office, which is a grayish tone, we apply white behind it because that would allow the, the images to really pop out. If you look at the image behind me in my warehouse, there's a lot of white in that, which is not used at all because we have a white primered wall behind us. So all the white is really no ink at all is being used. But if it was a glass wall or a dark wall, we would put white behind it. So a supply of ink is two liters of white, one liter each of your primary colors, CMYK, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. And that six liters costs $895, breaks down to about anywhere from 25 to 45 cents per square foot that the ink costs. That's cost, that's cost of goods. That's cost of goods. And okay. so an image, let's say a five foot by eight foot image, 40 square feet, might have about 10 to $15 worth of ink in it. It might take two hours to print that because our printers print from 15 to 20 square feet per hour. So setup time, everything else might be another anywhere from five minutes to an hour, depending on is the floor level. Do we have to, we, the, our machines come with tracks and they come with wheels. If you have a nice level floor, 
The machine can just roll across the floor. If it's concrete, if it's, if it's wood, but if it's tile and there's grout or it's outdoors and it's grass or plush carpet, you might lay the tracks down, which are included, which provide a level surface for the floor. All of that takes some setup, not much, but maybe an hour. And then there's the printing itself, which requires practice printing before you go to a customer site. Because ink is so cheap, again, I'll just use some simple math with a five foot by eight foot small wall mural, 40 square feet. You know, that course, as I said, has $15 worth of ink, two hours of labor to print it. You do that at your office site or home, wherever your place of business operations is, and practice it to make sure that it does look like what your customer wants and that you know how what you're doing with the printer. And then you go to the, the site and you print it. So your cost might be double, let's say, but we're talking double of something like instead of $15 worth of ink, now you'd use $30 worth of ink. Instead of two hours of labor, you use four hours of labor. So you're talking about, let's say in a five by eight, you might have a total of eight hours worth of labor between the practice print and the real print, eight hours of labor, $20 a square foot, $160, ink $30. Let's round it off to $200 worth of labor and, and ink cost. Typically our customers will charge their customers anywhere from 20 to $30 a square foot. So a five by eight, using that as an example, again, 40 square feet, I'll go low because I like being very conservative on revenue, high on costs, $20 a square foot would be times 40, $800, $800 for a five foot by eight foot mural. That's a really attractive price and it takes two yes. hours to print it. That's a fraction of what it would be time-wise and cost-wise to have an artist paint that. Again, not taking the food out of the mouths of artists, gives them the opportunity to create art and make more of their art appear on different walls more quickly. But that's the business case for it. Okay, that sounds beautiful. So I imagine it's some you, know, you hook up a, a portable computer or something to to drive the machine. Does it, does it have its own okay. control let, module? Let me... Let me I hear what you're asking and don't, don't mean to interrupt, but before, before too much incorrect stuff comes out, okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you the machine contains its own computer system, its own software to manage the images, to manage the machine operations. By machine operations, there's two software applications. One is the machine operations, one is the imaging software. The machine operations takes care of the machine movements, left, right, up, down, once you place it against the wall, in and out from the wall, because we go horizontally. A wall doesn't have to be flat, it just has to be vertical. When I say flat, you could be brick or stucco. It'll still print beautifully or the recesses like a garage door or has in it. It'll print that in a beautiful image straight across. We just can't go around obstructions like the big seams on a container, let's say, or big or pipes that might be in the middle of a wall or even a light switch. It won't go around those things. You have to take those off or tape them over before you print. So the wall doesn't have to be smooth. It just has to be vertical. And then so you've got two applications. That's the machine operating software, left, right, in, out, up, and down. And then you've got the imaging software. You take an image, any graphic vector format. By vector format, it will take a JPEG like you take with your phone. Somebody takes a picture of their family and they say, hey, give us that on the wall in our den, six feet by six feet. Well, what looks good on your phone or your computer may not look good six feet by six feet if it's not the right image format. And by right image format, I mean, one that will enlarge and maintain clarity. So a JPEG won't, that is not the image. Even though we can print a JPEG over a certain size, it won't look good. What will always look good is a vector format, which is right. basically a digitally created image in the standard tools like Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop, Corel Draw. They're different types of files that are digital files. And these files will enlarge to any size without losing any degradation. 
And so the imaging software will take that kind of a, an image and then you just take it from your phone, for your, from your computer, download it onto a USB stick, put that USB stick into our machine, and then the imaging software in our machine imports it, you size it, and you start printing. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. Sounds beautiful. And you've already told us uh, lots of different kinds of folks have ended up being customers of yours and have sold and I can imagine zillions of, op- of applications. So you mentioned that there is some competition. So I suppose that also includes a, a manual muralist, potentially. So how are you different from your competition? What different? Well, direct, again, I, I've already addressed kind of a, a lot of the the muralists and the wallpaper right. people, you know, and, and there are things we are not. If somebody wants to wrap a, a, a car, a vehicle, within, they have to use vinyl stickers. We don't do curved surfaces. So there are places for all of these other things, which is, I guess, why you have Domino's and Pizza Hut, and McDonald's and Burger King. You know, there's, you know, people have different tastes and there's different opportunities. But as far as direct competition, um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a handful, literally five manufacturers, this machine. And I was actually approached initially by a German manufacturer who wanted to come over from Europe into the United States. And they had a Canadian distributor who wanted to bring the print printers into the United States. And they sought me out because of my background is, as I mentioned earlier, and you might've in my intro, bringing foreign or innovative products into the United States and finding their high value customers. So they approached me and they asked me to come work for them. But I'm at a point in my life where I don't work for anybody. If I like something, I'm going to own the product. And that opportunity did not exist. But I thought the product was really cool. Now, no disrespect to Germans or if you have German heritage or anybody in your audience, I drive a BMW. I cook with Henkel knives. I value a well-engineered product. But just because something says made in Germany, I am skeptical that it is worth twice the amount of money as something else of comparable value and features. That was the case with the wall printing machine. Even though I couldn't work the deal out with this particular company that approached me, I love the machine and I love the technology. And so to your very question, I did ask myself the same thing. And I'd started doing my due diligence and I found out who else is doing this. And I found out there were four other companies, two in China, one in India, and one in Australia. It turned out that one of the Chinese companies was the oldest one in the business that actually invented the technology. They had a lot more to offer than the German product did. They printed with white ink, which is a patent that actually I co-own with the manufacturer, which by the way is unusual for an American company to co-own patents with a Chinese manufacturer. But again, that's a story for over a drink and another time. But I found there were a couple of differentiating features that, that separated their printer from the German wool print, which was a quality product. And so what I did is I said to them, um, this is, I want you to get a patent on this particular feature and I will help you with that. And then we we did that. So being able to print white ink behind those images, as I kind of described to you earlier, is a significant differentiating factor of our printers. Another one is the fact that we um, have both both UV ink printers and water-based ink printers. And now through the time that I've been, we've actually created a floor printer as well, which is unique to the industry. So I, I, I decided to work with a company that had that type of engineering expertise and that could expand the product line, could fulfill the kind of orders I was going to get if I grew this company the way I wanted to grow it. Um, And so that was one Chinese company. The second Chinese company 
The Chinese don't only copy us, they also copy each other if they find something interesting. And so there was a laser engraving company that copied my company, but they didn't do it too well and they don't have the engineering expertise to support this. So they weren't a real factor in it. There was an Australian company, as I mentioned, that was a venture-backed company that lost their funding early on after building a prototype, but they have nothing in production. And then there was an Indian company that has a very nice home hobby solution, very lightweight, not commercial grade, can't be used day in and day out in the commercial audience, which is what I was going for. So it really, really left only two quality products are in the market. And since I've been doing this for two years and have more than 80 companies that I've put into business and helped grow, um, we've actually replaced the German wall pen product in two companies where that, pro that company, that product could not deliver on the type of images that their customer wanted printing. And they brought in one of my customers, one of my owners to do the wall prints for them. And then they ended up replacing their German wall pen with one of ours or adding to their, their tools. But anyway, that, that gives you a summary of the market and my kind of reason for why I picked the product that I did. And we've grown substantially now for the per first two years, you know, since COVID lightened up a little bit that we've been able to increase our market share from zero to about 80 new businesses. We're selling about one to two new territories every week. The territories is our preferred business model. Although if somebody just wants the printing machine, we will sell it to them. But when they buy a territory, we reduce the price of the machine. And we also guarantee that they're the only ones in that territory that will sell printers to and support their growth and success. So that's Okay, that's are. fantastic. So as you just said, we have, I think our listeners now understand who you serve, what the problem is that you solve. You've got both the business opportunity group and you've got the end user of the product or the images of the product produces. You've told us how you knock your competition out of the ballpark. So what I'd like to do now, Paul, is talk about how you went about building the business. So you, I think you gave us a great story of how you got intrigued with it originally, but how did you put the business together? How did you build your team? How did you start your marketing? Kind of give us the story of- so I, I touched base on that a little bit, Bill, early on. When I told you the, the issues that we faced at the time that I started this business uh, in November of 2019, just pre-COVID. And so I was kind of backed into a corner with trying to, again, having a product that was innovative, nobody ever knew about, and trying to find this audience. So to answer your question, we built the business through social media and through building a team of people who learned how to use these machines. I had to convert everything from Chinese to, to English, French, Canadian. Portuguese, Spanish, because those are all the markets that I chose to serve and I own here in Western, the Western Hemisphere. We, we have training materials we've developed, but social media marketing is the way that we've grown the business through customer acquisition after brand awareness. We spent the first six, eight months just letting people know that this technology existed. And we did it through social media. Started with just Facebook, a little bit of Instagram, our website, SEO, uh, keywords, getting people who are interested in wall art, business opportunities, painting, printing, you know, just entrepreneurship, because again, as I described, all of those are our potential customers. And so, so using those keywords and going after the social media venues, and we've expanded to TikTok now. And in fact, this past week, we, we did a TikTok video. We had, we got literally almost a million views, 960,000 at last count, um, because this was, if we just ventured into TikTok recently. And, and we're just inundated with inquiries. Now, granted, a lot of people, we get 150 
inquiries a day that fill out a form and want to know more about this. 140 of those people are people that realize it's not a $100 desktop printer, but basically a twenty-five dollars to $35,000 investment in machinery or territory, and they go away. But they do say, hey, that's pretty cool. Maybe I know somebody who's being interested in as a business, or I know a wall in a business or a home that might want this as a wall printing for the service. And so we get, we get a lot of those out of those 150 inquiries. 140 of them fall into those buckets. But 10 of them are people who say, $25,000, $35,000 to start a business? Tell me more. And then we go through the process. And that's how we then acquire the customers by having a Zoom call, just like you and I are having for this conversation and your podcast. And we answer their questions. We share the information as I've shared with you and your audience. And they determine whether or not this is something that meets their budget, their financial goals, their technical goals, and move forward from there. And if the territory is available and nobody's taken it yet, we move forward. I don't want to confuse this whole territory model with a franchise. We are not a franchise. Um, I have, as you mentioned in my introduction, which I appreciated, I do have experience about 15 years of franchising, which is one of the reasons I didn't want this to be a franchise. We don't want to reach into people's pockets. A lot of our customers, as I described, already have businesses and their own customers and their own brand. So we want them to use this to add revenue and to enhance that brand. So we don't force people to call themselves the wall printer. In fact, we want them to create their own logo, their own artwork. They give it to us. And as you can see on the printer, whoops, I'm Zoom challenged when I point. Yeah. On the printer be on the printer behind me, they put their logo, like you see our TWP logo on the printer. We put their, their social media icons, their website, their email address, their phone number. Because when these machines are out there printing, all it takes is one of your audience to go to our website, thewallprinter.com, for about 15 seconds and see a video of this printing, and you get it. But when these printers are out there actually printing a mural for an hour or two hours, people really get enthralled by the, just the process, much less the result, yeah. which is, which is hopefully more impressive when the, when the printing ends I and mean, you can look back and see that, but, but basically it is their machine, their business, and, and we help them create that brand. And, and that's, I think that's an answer to your question. Yes, it is. So what's your management team look like? How are you, how are you guys organized? We've grown to about 15 people today. We have a, a team. The first things I built up was my social media marketing team. After that, it was the technical team to learn how to use these machines and support. And then part of, part of our team is also in South America. We have remote salespeople in South America who service that audience, who speak Spanish, Portuguese, French, Canadian as well for our Canadian neighbors to the North. And uh, so we built up the sales team, the technical team, and, uh, and then I kind of stay out of everybody's way. That's great. I love that story. I love, I love owners that are, are not required. Well, I, I, I won't say that I'm totally dispensable, but at the same point, you know, people ask me a lot of times, Bill, what's the definition of a good leader? You know, my, my answer is very simple. Um, it's somebody who's smart enough to hire the best qualified people for the job, but wise enough to back off and let them do it. I don't believe in micromanaging. I believe that people stay in their lane, but I am also very lucky and very blessed that I have a team that works together, um, where, where the technical people see that there's something lacking in the documentation then our marketing team takes over and makes sure that we're communicating properly to our customers what these machines do and how they do it. And, and they work together. They work together very well. And I'm very proud of that. So can you think of a mistake maybe a, or two that you made over the last several years? And what, what, what did you learn from those mistakes? Well, I, when you asked me that question, I, re, I recall the words of Winston Churchill when he said that success is going from failure to failure without any lack of enthusiasm. 
And, and so, so yes, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. I you know not the least of which of course was, you know, with this particular business was, was that nobody knew what it was at all. And I, and I had to go ahead and, and learn. One of the things I learned was that it is very difficult to import inks. One of the reasons why none of those five companies came across to the United States, across the Atlantic, the Pacific, is because it's very difficult to import chemical products from, from outside the United States into the United States. One of the first things I did is I, I contracted a couple of factories to take the, the formula that my Chinese manufacturing partner willingly gave me to be able to go ahead and, and duplicate the ink so that they would work well. One of the things I learned, one of my lesser successes, was in trying to go on the cheap and trying to find inks like almost any ink that would work. It is not true. You can't just introduce any old ink into any printer. You know, I, I, I like everybody else, you know, you know, say, you know, why does Hewlett Packard or, or Canon or Brother or Epson force us to use their print, their inks, their ink cartridges? Well, I can tell you now from this experience in a business that I had no experience, inks are very specific to the printers themselves and to the technology and the software that uses those inks. And so the ability to get the right ink is, is a fine chemical art. And so that was a learning experience the hard way. I ruined a couple of very expensive $1,000 print heads that got clogged up beyond repair because I introduced the wrong inks, which if they are wrong or you don't maintain your, your printers properly with very easy maintenance procedures, inks will clog and it will ruin very expensive components. And that's one of the biggest learning challenges that I faced early on, but now we've gotten down to a science where we pass that on to our customers. And if they listen to us, their machines work day in and day out just fine. Beautiful. So uh, what's holding you back right now, Paul? What's holding me back? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, my initial response is nothing. It's a great market, you know, finances, some companies, you know, and I, and I, had companies where money is not really the, what you need. For me, money buys more printers, more customers, more marketing. So the more I want to invest in marketing, but I also want to do that intelligently, meaning growth. Growth has to be paced appropriately. Some people who have something that's really hot, like I think I do, chomp at the bit and they grow too quickly before they can support their customers and that growth. I'm not going to make that mistake. I've done that before. Um, and so even though uh, one of the challenges might be to have more inventory, to reduce the turnover because we're selling right now. I'm back ordered six to eight weeks. I've totally sold out for June and July. As we have this conversation, I'm taking orders now for August. Uh, would I like to just have printers in stock and ship them out right away for better cash flow? Maybe, but not yet. Not yet. So uh, Paul, how can our listeners get a hold of you and your company? Well, so if they're seriously interested in learning more about the wall printer, by all means, go to thewallprinter.com. That's our website on the contact page, fill out the form so that we have an accurate email address or phone number for you. And we'll send you information, arrange a Zoom call like this, answer questions, talk more. I'm also a mentor at our local university, UNCW Wilmington. Um, I sit on the advisory board of the Cameron Business School that's there. And, and I'm, I'm happy to give back and connect with people. Life is about relationships. I haven't gotten to where I am because I haven't ridden on the coattails or shoulders of others. And, and as a result of that, I'm, I'm happy to meet people, talk to people, LinkedIn, and this is no advertisement for LinkedIn, but it is a good professional network. You know, my customers, and we use LinkedIn in our advertising too, for those groups of people who are of the type of profile that I've described to you for potential customers. But for personally, if somebody wants to connect with me, feel free. Paul Barron, B-A-R-O-N, find me with a search on LinkedIn. 
asked to connect. I'm happy to talk to you or, you know, answer questions about your journey, your problems, your issues, or hear about your successes. I can learn from you as much as you can learn from me, I'm sure. So, Paul, what's the one question that I should have asked you and then didn't do it? And then what's the answer to the unasked question? So I, I, I swam with a couple of friends in a, in a relay team yesterday. You should have asked me, why didn't I swim faster? But you didn't know anything about that. Oh, I didn't. You did. I was the, the swimming leg of, a, of our triathlon team. Oh, fantastic. And, and, and so why didn't I swim faster? But you could have asked me that. that. That's an enjoyable pastime. No, this was a great conversation. I appreciate everything you've asked and everything you've said. I hope your audience can benefit to some extent from something they heard from. And again, I'm always happy to expand my network and learn what other people are doing and share my experiences with them if it's appropriate. And That's fantastic. Thank you, Paul. Everybody, in closing, let's focus on the single fact, and that is that our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having the right mindset of a dedication to a system of management, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. So thanks for listening, Paul. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. It was fantastic and enjoyable. Thank you, Bill.